0: chapter four, hallelujah, glory to God. You ready for this? Ready to receive the word? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Looking forward to our hour of prayer uh, later on. Be, could very well be the most important thing we do as a church. Uh, praise God is to seek God in His face in prayer together. And so, what? Uh, looking forward to seeing everybody. That's at three o'clock. Glory to God. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I wanted to say I've been putting out, I put a two out, uh, a series of uh, teachings out on the end times, and I'm purposing to do another one. It'll be out Tuesday afternoon. And I've had it in my heart that uh, there was, we've just come to a day where I felt like I need more time with my people, just as a pastor. Uh, there's so many things that I believe we need to be encouraged in, taught, and heard and yet, I also know that uh, we live in a very, very, very demanding and busy time and age, and so God hasn't, to my knowledge, instructed me to, you know, to institute like a Sunday night yet. I'm I'm ready to if He would have us do that. The Bible says, as you see the the day approaching, we ought to be meeting together more and more, Amen. not less and less. And uh, but I thought at least in the meantime, while I'm praying about that, I could put these videos out, and on your own time, you could mm-hmm. uh, be. And I've gotten a lot of. Wonderful feedback, especially from that first video. So, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, we haven't focused a lot on our YouTube channel, but I'm, I'm purposing to, uh, if you subscribe to the World Harvest Church of Paducah, um, you know, YouTube channel, then you'll get dinged every time that video posts, or whether we do, you'll get a notification, and then of course on Facebook. But, uh, you know, uh, coming Tuesday, what I'm purposing, I'm gonna teach you how the church will not go through the tribulation period. We're not going through half of it. We're not waiting to the end of it. And and there's much evidence in the Bible that proves that a pre-tribulation rapture is much more biblically evident than the others. But I'm going to focus, I'm going to teach you about the prophetic picture of the Jewish Feast of Trumpets. Amen. And how that what God foreshadowed in the Feast of Trumpets means that the church is about to be raptured before. And that just, that's just wonderful. Because I don't have to be concerned about the mark of the beast. Church won't be here. I won't have to, I won't have to, you know, uh, be concerned about a lot of the things, all the things that are coming out of the sky and rivers turn to blood and I'm not going to be here. You're not going to be here. How can you say that so emphatically? Because I study. Amen. And I would never teach you something dogmatically that I don't feel dogmatic about. Amen. from the Bible. And so it'll be a great encouragement. And a lot of people know now the next Feast of Trumpets, I believe Jesus is going to rapture the church some year on the Feast of Trumpets. Yep. Yeah. And the next one is September 6th through the 8th. So if you're not right with God, <laughs> Amen. you have a couple of weeks here. If you want to go, if it were to be, I'm not setting dates. Right. But I just know the next Feast of Trumpets is coming up here in a few weeks. Like less than a few weeks. Like a week in a few days. Tick tock. All right. So praise God. So Tuesday afternoon, be watching for it. Amen. And uh, I believe you'll be encouraged and you'll learn something. So amen. Well, the Lord has us here in this uh, ministry time talking about living by faith. Living by faith is not supposed to be optional for the Christian. It is commanded that we should live our life by faith, not living our life by what we see, not living our life according to what we feel. Amen. We we are called to live life on a higher plane than pros and cons. And, and living our life, uh, it is a lesser kind of life. You're gonna. Experience defeat and difficult measures of difficulty in your life if you live by reason. If you live according to what you figure out with your brain, you're not that smart. I'm not. Nobody is. Nobody's that smart. It takes divine knowledge. Amen. Amen. Uh, And and we can we have access to the mind of Christ. We have the leading of the Spirit. And this building would not be here today. We would not be having this moment if I walked by sight. If I walked by reason. No, 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 no. We're only here because the Lord helped me and others walk by faith. Praise God. Now, walking by faith is simply walking by what God says. It's not hard. We live, we govern our life, every aspect of our life, by what God says in His Word. In other words, if you're living a real Christian life, you're a real disciple, what that means is, is that you let the Word, just like I said, it's your governing constitution. So, you know, you don't just go anymore, well, this is what I believe. This is the way I was taught. Uh, this is the way we, this is the way my family thinks. Well, we all, we all are infected with that kind of mentality to a degree, right? Our experiences, our, uh, you know, where we've been, how we came up. They, they shape us, don't they? They affect us. Well, part of what it means to be a Christian is to judge all of what we've learned and accumulated over the years and we run it through the filter of what God's Word says. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and just, you know, just simple things that we all, as Christians, we all go through our own journey, right? I remember, uh, you know, going to haunted houses and I remember... Uh, you know, going to church every Sunday and being a Christian and thinking nothing about, you know, All Hallows' Eve and, and all that, I did not know. Right. Amen. But as I got in the Word, on, yeah. amen, as I learned, yeah. praise God, about the existence of demons right. and evil spirits. Yes. And what the Bible has to say, I had I changed the way I believed about the holiday. I changed the way I believe about the holiday. Amen. Amen. I changed the way I believe about a whole lot of stuff. Amen. And still am. And so this is just a constant thing. The one who's living by faith is living their life according to what God says. And it's going to mean constant, ongoing change on our part to conform out. The Bible says that God is God and he changeth not. It's us who are changing. He's not conforming to our image. We are supposed to be conforming into his image. And a lot of people, they're sweet. A lot of humans out there, they are worshiping a God of their own imagination. That's how they justify perverse lifestyles. Well, I believe God's love. Well, he is love, but he doesn't mean he condones your perversion. (laughs) Right? Praise to God. And so, anyway, it's just real simple. Though The Christian life is a life of faith, and a life of faith is going by what God says, not by anything else. What God said is supposed to trump everything else. Amen. We've also seen in this series already that faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is what we bring to God in exchange for what He has for us. You know, God doesn't know you in answer to prayer just because you pray. That's right. We are instructed to pray in faith. Amen. And a lot of people, their attitude towards prayer is we'll just throw our wish out there. We'll throw our desire out there, but we know we don't know it also. If if God answers it, that means it was his will. If God doesn't answer it, that means that it wasn't his will. And when you apply that to things like sickness and disease, The devil's gonna hoodwink you, right? You have to the Bible is clear about his view of sickness and disease. And you're supposed to go to God knowing that before you pray. It's another important nugget about faith is faith only can be faith. Faith is only faith when the will of God is known about that thing. You can't believe beyond actual knowledge. Is that right? You can't believe beyond actual knowledge. But when knowledge comes, when the light of God's Word comes, then faith is there. See, then faith is there. Y'all here today? Amen. So we're going to go further in this, Lord willing, today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 13, we have this wonderful scripture on faith. And it says, we having, didn't say we're going to have. It says, "...we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak." Now, for weeks now on Sunday morning, we've been beginning our teaching in Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10, right? Where he says, where is the word? Where it's near us. Where in our heart and in our mouth? That is the word of faith." That we preach that if you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus thou shalt be will thou shalt be saved for with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This sounds a lot like that doesn't it? We having the same spirit of faith. How do you you know that you're operating in the spirit of faith? Amen. Well you're going to do what every person that has the spirit of faith on them does. You're going to believe, and because you believe, you're going to talk. You're going to speak what you believe. Do you know everyone speaks what they believe? <laughs> they do. Everybody believes, they, they express, you know, your words, that's how your faith is expressing itself. What you say and how you act. Amen. Now, about this reference to the spirit of faith. You know, there's, the Bible calls faith a law. In Romans chapter 3, it says the law of faith. And so, if it's a law, that means there are principles that govern how faith works. And you can learn them. Amen. It doesn't matter what century you're born in. It doesn't matter what country. Doesn't matter what nationality you are. Doesn't matter what skin color, what color your earth suit is. The law of faith will work for anyone and everyone who works it. And God is no respecter of persons. I mean, and this is where you just, you just have to, you just have to strip the emotion away. Mm -hmm. You get a believer here and a believer here and they're both dealing with cancer and one dies and the other one is healed. Mm -hmm. It's not God choosing the one who lived and the one who died. God is not a respecter of persons. Amen. 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 It's up to the person. You got two human beings, one saved and goes to heaven, one dies and goes to hell. God is not the one deciding right. that. Are you with me? Yes. And I, I remember early on in my, uh, in my walk, my dad for years was a uh, Sunday school teacher, had a great class, you know, upwards of 30, 30 adults every Sunday in his class. One Sunday he couldn't be there. And, uh, I mean, this was years ago. Amber and I were dating, but we were n- fairly new in our relationship. And and uh, I, I God had begun to show me some things about faith and healing. And that you didn't have to be sick. And I mean, I, I'm just a good denominational boy. I just love Jesus with all my heart. I'm reading my Methodist Bible every day. And God is showing me that I don't have to be sick. I didn't get it from, from some wild-eyed preacher. I, I got it, you know, studying Reading my Bible. Amen. And uh so dad said, Well, son, would you like to take the Sunday school class? I said, Oh yeah. This is my chance. And I got behind that little music stand in that class, and I, I taught and preached as excited as I was about you don't have to be sick anymore. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. By his stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. I just went on and on. And I just expected, and we the bell rang, and I expected them to line up, and they did. They lined up. And I just expect them to line up and tell me how excited they were to have their eyes open like my eyes were open about you don't have to be sick anymore. But they didn't line up to tell me that. They lined up to tell me, How dare you? I know my aunt, she prayed and had faith and God wanted her sick and she died. How and then left. And then I one after the other. How dare you? I know. Listen, you don't know. You don't know what people are believing. And what they say when you're not around. But I mean, they just were not as excited. If there was a brow of a cliff, they would have thrown me off of it that day. And I found out for the first time in a shocking way how there is, are elements in the body of Christ who will fight you vehemently for their right to be sick. Don't tell me it's all on God. Don't tell me it was on my mama, my grandpa. And they were intense about it. And I did not leave excited. I got in the car and had a 45, 50 minute commute back where I was going to go to Cheryl's and Amber's and their pastor was there. We were all going to have lunch and, and I cried all the way home. I cried all the way home and I had to dry my face and all my red and I walk in and there, there are pastors in the, in the kitchen or whatever. He said, what is wrong with you? And I told him the story and he smiled and kind of laughed and said, welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. I got the left foot of fellowship from that. And that was the last time I taught that Sunday school class. But it's it's sad. I don't even know what my point was, but my point was not everybody is excited about. And and many people, they so they have built such a doctrine Over their experiences. That their experiences. Have been exalted above the authority of the word. You should never base what you believe. On what happened to your aunt. Or to any human being. Amen. Faith has everything to do with the word of God. And now I've gone on since then, not bragging, just by the grace of God, I've gone on and lived in divine health from that day till this, while many of them just went right on with their surgeries and their sicknesses and their problems. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yeah. And so there are laws that govern faith. But there is also the spirit of faith. Now, the laws of faith, the principles of faith can be taught. And that's what I'm endeavoring to do. Teach you how faith works. But the spirit of faith cannot be taught. The spirit of faith has to be caught. You have to catch it. The spirit of faith is this attitude of faith. This this what a, this mojo, this thing that comes on you, that this attitude that when things come, you respond in faith. You don't crumble uh, at a challenge, but you rise up and you see it as an opportunity to prove God's word works, that God is faithful. And just like David, everyone else is hiding in the ditch. And David has said, this is my way out of taxes. This is my way to marry the King's daughter. This is my way to promotion. This is my way to see my God get glory. I'm going to take the head off of this Philistine. I don't care that he's five feet taller than me. What is he didn't, that wasn't the law of faith. That's the spirit of faith resting on him. Jesus carried the spirit of faith, didn't he? His good friend Lazarus had died, dead, dead, died. Amen. And they came and said, he's very sick. Of course, Jesus knew by the word of knowledge, he's going to die. And Jesus doesn't, he doesn't get bothered. He doesn't freak out. He just stays calm. And he says, ah, this sickness, this, this thing shall not result in death, but unto the glory of God, you know. And then he just stayed there three more days. I mean, let's let his body get really cold. We're going to work a miracle. Let's just make it a real miracle. Let's let him, let's let him wrap him up and put him in the tomb. Let him start stinking. He just waited. And he just calmly went and stood at the tomb, said, roll back the stone. They said, master, by now he stinketh. I said, roll it back. And he looked around all them, said, father, I know you always hear me. You've already heard me. I've already talked to you about this. But for their sake, I thank you that you always hear me. And he looked into that dark tomb. He said, Lazarus, come out of there. And here he came bound in all his grave clothes. Now you got to have something more at work on you in your life than a law and a principle. There's an attitude about you. Amen. Dr. DeFrame, Kenneth e. Hagan, many of these they don't just they haven't just learned some formulas or steps, but they carry the spirit of faith on them. Amen. I've endeavored to get as much of that good spirit of faith on me as you can. How do you catch the spirit of faith? Well, how do you catch the coronavirus? You got to get it from someone who's got it. Amen. Amen. I advise you not to catch it. Amen. Praise God. But you get the spirit of faith on you by being around people who have the spirit of faith on them. Amen. We're all going to be challenged and faced with the crises of life. And you want to have Ministry in your life and people in your life that have a spirit of faith, not a spirit of doubt, not a spirit of fear, not a spirit of negativity, not a spirit of defeatism, but one who will say, come on, this is a mountain. Let's speak to the mountain. Jesus said the mountain will move if we speak to it and then speak to it, right? Peter had the spirit of faith on him. He said, oh, Jesus is walking on the water. I'm going to walk on the water too. Amen. Anyway, that's not my message either. So. It's good anyway, we having what the same spirit of doubt and unbelief and negativity and pessimism. No, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe. And because I believe, what do I do? I speak. That's what people do who have the spirit of faith on them. And he said, like they, they had it. I have it. We also believe, therefore we speak we speak. Amen. And so we've been talking about how our words, how speaking, how confession fits with faith, how that is a part of faith and a vital part of what it means to even be a believer. Amen. Real quick, I want to give you, I've been trying to get to this for a couple of weeks now. I want to give you five purposes uh, to confession, confession or confessing the word. It's either four or five. Let me see. It's five. All right. Number one. Number one, the purpose of confession is that confessing the Word of God is how you write God's Word on the tablet of your heart. A few services back, we pointed this out to you. Psalm 45, verse 1, the psalmist said, My tongue is as the pen of a ready writer. And in Proverbs chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 7, it talks about how we need to write the Word on our heart. How do you write the word on your heart? You write God's word on your spirit, man, on your innermost being by confessing it. Now the word confession, remember what it means. It means to say the same thing as. It's the Greek word homo logia. Homo means same. Logia means language or speech. Say the same thing as. What you have to learn to do to walk by faith is to say what he has said. Amen. Listen, if you will say what God has said, God will do what you say. That's right. Amen. 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 If you will say what God has said, God will do what you say. Amen. Amen. God did not say, I put sickness on you to teach you something. You can't find that in the Word. He says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew eight seventeen, What I've done, what you see me doing, healing the sick, it is the fulfillment of Isaiah. The prophet's words in Isaiah 53, I have come to take your sicknesses, to bear your iniquities upon myself, to remove them from you. Yeah. He's not the one that gives sickness. He's the one that takes it away. Yeah. Hallelujah. We need to say what he has said, and if we will, he will do what he says. So when you say, I'm sicker than a dog, he can't perform that. The devil will perform that for you. But God can't get involved with those words. So what faith will do when it is dealing with sickness, disease, pain in the body, it will say what God has already said about that. And God will perform that. Amen. Praise God. Are you with me? Amen. All of us, we need transformation. Our lives need to be transformed. You know, when I, uh, as I was growing up from my parents' divorce... That event just broke me. I'm not blaming them. I'm just telling you what happened. It just broke my little soul. And uh, I had, from that day, I carried a broken, insecure, twisted, wrong view of myself from that day. Mm -hmm. And so when I came into a right fellowship with God, I had this defeated, negative, I don't like, insecure Don't feel right about Chris' image inside myself. Now, for all of most people begin, right, their Christian walk with some sort of twisted, marred, unperfect, ungodly image about themselves. Guys, too. Guys, girls, you know, whatever. And what we must do to fix that is write God's word about what he says about us on our heart. You know, we, we have a copier back here. And so if I have a piece of paper, I have an image, but I want an image to be transferred to something else, right? Like from my computer screen to a piece of paper. Right. Amen. Well, I know by, I can imprint that image. I can either lay this on the glass or hit print on my screen and it will burn, right? It will print that image on that blank piece of paper. Yeah. What you and I must do is take the blank canvas of our heart or we've got stuff written on our canvas and it's all bad. I'm fat. I'm nothing. I'm, I'm not pretty. No one wants me. I'm not talented. I'm a loser. Nothing ever works out for me. Whatever it is, I'm unlovable. I've messed up too bad. Whatever that thing, junk is that you're carrying around. And you have to learn to take a Holy Ghost eraser... And erase that, get yourself to a blank canvas, and then write what God says about you on the canvas of your spirit. And that's why you need to start reading the New Testament and have yourself a highlighter. And every time you find something in there where God says you are complete in him, you are a new creation, old things have passed away, you are accepted in the beloved, you are a joint heir with Jesus, you are the righteousness of God, you are loved of the Father. Don't just read it and just pass by it. No, you need to stop and you need to say that. I am a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have been made new. I am right with God. I am forgiven. I am loved by God. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm redeemed from the curse. I'm worth something. Jesus died for me. And use your confession to write the right image of yourself on your heart. Amen. Praise God. And every... Eh, this, this has an application for anything you want to talk about. Maybe you've dealt with poverty and lack. And you've just gotten used to it. It's become a lifestyle. Not just struggling. Just barely getting by. You know? Uh, and not having... Well, you need to take the time. Prosperity's not going to leap into your life because it's on the pages of the Bible and you got saved. Amen. But you are by right an heir of God, (laughs) the owner of a cattle on a thousand hills, the gold, the glory, It all belongs to him. (laughs) Amen. But you're going to have to begin to find those scriptures that deal with lack and deal with prosperity. And you're going to need to begin to confess those. Amen. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was so very rich, yet he became poor for my sake, that I might be made rich. You know that's in the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, around verse 9. Amen. Amen. The Bible calls you blessed. You're empowered to prosper. You're redeemed from the curse of the law. The curse of the law is poverty. So you need to walk around. According to Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. I was a Gentile, but I'm in Christ Jesus, and therefore I'm blessed. Poverty, I'm redeemed from. Amen. You need to confess. Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all my needs according to His riches. And you're not going to believe it at first. It's going to sound dry and dead, and the devil will tell you, you don't even believe that. And you'll have to say, I know I don't. Shut up. (laughs) My pastor told me from the Word, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, and you just begin to write that image on your heart. And before anything changes out here, you are rich in here. Doctor Addabbo, you know, he talks about I don't know how many times he moved from place to place before he before he graduated high school, but it was. Over twenty times, he moved from, and he grew up in the projects, and then he had gotten out of the military and met and uh, married Miss Angie, and they had had Stephanie, just a young couple. When they had started going to Doctor Jacobs's church, didn't know nothing, and poor, living in a condemnable trailer with a three-legged couch. That's what he said. He had a three-legged couch. And and holes, you know, you could see the the road passing by in his car as it's all rusted out. You could see the the floor had rusted out in places. And God began to deal with him in church about bringing his tithe. I think his first tithe was $13, $18, something like that. And oh, how he struggled to give that $18. But he finally made his consecration. He said, oh, I wish I could tell you things just changed overnight. I gave my tithe first, second time, and I got rich. No. But he said he had, because of his upbringing, a, a, an image, a, a clear image of poverty. That's all he knew. Right. But he began to walk that condemnable trailer, sitting on his three-legged couch, walking that floor, and begin to say what God says about him, about who he was. And he said week after week, dry and dead, but he just kept saying it and kept saying it, and kept tithing, and kept saying it, and kept confessing it, until at some point, some months down the line, it he said it, and it lit a fire on the inside of him. And he got a revelation in that moment of who he was in God, and he said, I'm done with poverty. And about that, the next week or two, he got a promotion at work. And God really began to elevate him. And he lives, he lives an extremely blessed life today. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Alright, I know that's just number one. But the purpose of confessing the Word, taking the time to do this, is because it's how you change that inward image. When you get it on the inside, it'll show up on the outside. Amen. You know, I've begun to say, weight just melts off of me. It's easy for me to lose weight. My metabolism kicks butt. I'm a disciplined person. Isn't that a lot better than saying, I can't ever lose weight. Doesn't matter what I do, I can't lose weight. This stuff's so sticky, it just sticks to me like... Amen. All right, number two. The second purpose of confession is that confession is how you renew your mind. The Bible says that our minds are renewed by the washing of the water of the Word. Amen. Amen. And so, yes, that inward image forms in our inward man, our spirit, but it also helps reprogram our thought life. When we confess the Word, it it helps we are articulating God's thoughts about that. Amen. And it's going to assist in the retraining of our mind to think, not like the world, not like a sinner, but like God. Like a Christian is supposed to think. Number three. It is by confessing the word that faith finds expression. It is how you release your faith. You can have a heart full of faith and still die of sickness. You can have a heart full of faith for prosperity and uh, still go through a bankruptcy. Those Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 4? We having the same spirit of faith, we believe. Period. No. No. No, 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 no. Amen. We believe and therefore we speak. I'm going to make a statement. Don't let it get past you because you're thinking about lunch. You do not have from God what you believe. You're not going to get from God what you believe. You're going to get from God what you say. Hello? Hello? Believing is important. Go over with me to Mark eleven. Let me show you something here. Believing is important, but you can you can believe and not receive. Amen. Amen. Faith involves saying. Mm-hmm. The sooner that you will accept this Bible fact that all the universe is ruled and run by words, yeah. Yeah. then you'll be far, you'll be far along. Amen. 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 All the universe, God's created universe, both the spiritual and the three-dimensional, the natural, it is run and ruled by words. Amen. 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 So in Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus said, have, or excuse me, he said, verily I say unto you. Now, circle these, mark your Bible in some way if you can. All the times it says say and all the time it says believe. Whosoever shall say, that's really the first say. Under this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. Okay there's the word "believe, that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. In that verse, how many times is the word "believe mentioned? One time. How many times is the word "say" mentioned? Three times. you're going to have to do three times as much talking as you do believing. The emphasis, believing is important. It's in there. But saying is in there three times. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you release your faith in the promise of God by saying it. Amen. 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 All right. Number four. Number four. Confession is how you sow the seed. And it's also how you water the seed of the word in the kingdom. In Mark chapter 4, verse 26 through 28, Jesus said, So is the kingdom of God. It's like a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up and grow. He does not know how. For the earth brings forth of herself first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Amen? Mm -hmm. How do you sow a seed in the kingdom of God? You speak it. Mark chapter 4, Jesus said, In verse 14, the sower sows the word. The kingdom of God is like this. So you can say, well, pastor, listen, I had a headache and I said it and nothing changed. Okay, well, amen. You're not Jesus yet in the development and use of your words. Mm -hmm. Amen. And especially if you're new, you saying it one time. Don't be surprised if that doesn't change it. The kingdom of God operates according to laws. He said, the, so is the kingdom of God. It's like a man sows a seed in the ground. And he doesn't expect a crop right then. He doesn't expect a harvest instantly. So you sow the word and you have to understand that the words you speak operate like a seed. And that seed requires the right soil. That, that's your heart, having a right heart. That seed requires sunlight, the light, the knowledge, the revelation of the truth in that scripture. Amen. Amen. And then it requires water. And the way you water it is the way you plant it. You say it and you say it and you say it and you say it and you say it. it. Amen. This is what a lot of people, they don't understand the law of saying, the law of faith. Faith takes time. Faith takes time many times. Faith takes time to get that image of fear out of you and sickness out of you, amen, and poverty out of you, and weakness out of you. It takes time when you've been saying something for years. Amen. So you have to say it and keep on saying it. Say it and keep on saying it. Sow it and keep watering the seed. And if you will, if you will just stay with it, amen, you'll get a harvest. You'll get a harvest. Stop, don't fall into the trap that it'll come overnight that I said it four times <laughs> and, and it, uh, you know, I went to the doctor, and the cancer's still there. Well, just keep speaking to it don't be discouraged, don't be perturbed, just keep speaking to it. <laughs> was it Lillian b yeoman's honey that uh, had the had the room, and she would have desperate people that were given up by doctors and yeah and uh and she was a former physician that got addicted to her own medicine, <laughs> and anyway got gloriously saved and delivered from her addiction, and then she spent the rest of her life in ministry preaching and teaching divine healing to others. Well, she had this woman, what did she have? It stage, four cancer. Is it stage 4 cancer or something, I thought, or maybe it was tuberculosis it seems like. Anyway, she had something, was it, was it tuberculosis? Okay, so she had a late stage tuberculosis that the doctors had sent her home to die with well, she had an empty bed in the upper room and they they would bring her in and they would give her whatever care that they could as a physician. But it was really a spiritual healing place. Amen. And when they got her comfortable, Miss Yeomans came in and read to her Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. That the blessing, verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus so we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Then he took her, she took her, To Deuteronomy 28 and showed her where tuberculosis was specifically mentioned as one of the curses of the law. And since Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law and tuberculosis is a curse of the law, this is what I want you to do while you're laying here in this bed. I want you to say with every waking moment, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Tuberculosis is part of the curse of the law. Since Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, I therefore no longer have tuberculosis. She goes, what? She said, the doctors gave you up, girl. This is what I want you to do. With every waking moment, I want you to say, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Tuberculosis is part of the curse of the law. Since tuberculosis is part of the curse of the law, and I'm redeemed from the curse of the law, I no longer have tuberculosis. Amen. So she goes, all right. And she set out to say it. And, uh, you know, they'd come back, check on her, and, you know, she, are you saying it? Yeah, I'm saying it, but I, you know, whatever, I'm saying it. In three days, this went on. She said she must have said it ten thousand times. Nurses would come in, and she's saying it: "Christ is redeeming from the curse of the law. Tuberculosis is a curse of the law. Since tuberculosis is a curse of the law, Christ is redeeming from the curse of the law. Therefore, I no longer have." And there, you know, Lily B Youngs, they're downstairs on the third day. She's upstairs in one of these rooms. And all of a sudden, they hear a great thud and a scream. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. (laughs) Tuberculosis is part of the curse of the law. And since Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, I no longer have tuberculosis. And she ran downstairs. And when she did, she was telling everybody how she was redeemed from the curse of the law. And every trace of the tuberculosis was gone. She did not, it didn't even make sense to her. She didn't get it. But how do you go from not getting it to getting it? You just keep sowing and watering the truth of God's word. And eventually on the 10,000th time on the third day, when she said it, it dawned upon her spirit. Oh my God, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Since I'm redeemed from the curse of the law, I am no longer sick. And she rose up well. Are you all with me? Praise God. This is how the kingdom of God works. So I'm teaching you today, work your words. Find, these are the words that work. This is a manual of what to say. You know all those folks in Malachi, and they were, they were cursed, they were... Sowing crops and not getting a harvest and things were just bad for them economically. And God said, number one, you stop tithing. But then number two, your words have been stout against me. He said, I've heard you say, I heard you say, what good is it to tithe? What good is it to serve God? I've heard a lot of people say that too. I've been tithing for years. What hasn't done me any good? I wouldn't say that. God hears that. What profit is there in serving God? Like everything. Amen. But he said, listen, your words are stout against me. I'm going to try to land this uh, sermon's airplane here. But uh, write this reference down if you can. I'm not going to have you turn there. Numbers chapter 14, verse 28. Now this is when the children of Israel are instructed to go into the promised land. And they said, no, we ain't going because we're going to die because of the giants. And listen to Numbers 14, 28 in the New Living Translation. This is God responding after He heard them say, we can't do it. This is what God said, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I'm going to do to you the very things I heard you say. They said, we're going to die in the wilderness. And guess what they did? They died in the wilderness. God said, as surely as I live, saith the Lord, I'm going to do unto you what I heard you say. Amen. All right. So I gave you number four, right? Confession is how you sow and water seed in the kingdom of God. Number five is confession keeps your answer in front of you. You know, once you release your faith, there's some time, right, before that comes to pass and the enemy's going to come and you're going to feel things. and It's going to look like it's not working. By continuing to confess the word of God, it keeps your answer in your attention. That's why God told Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Listen, whatever you're saying out of your own mouth, your brain has no other choice but to stop and listen to what you say. And so if you want, to, you have to guard your faith as you're standing for healing or protection or victory or whatever you're believing God for. From the enemies of your faith like doubt and fear. And feelings and adverse circumstances. And the way you do that is you don't leave any vacancy in your thought life. You don't leave any room for doubt to get in. How do I do that? Keep talking. No, 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 Chris. My God shall supply all your needs according to, no, Chris, your God supplies all your needs. Hey, Pastor Chris, where are we going to get this five? My God shall supply all my need. Just say it and say it and say it. And as long as you're saying it, your brain can't go squirrely on you because it's got to listen to what you're saying. Did you get that? Amen. Amen. So I want to close with this. There are some things that you should never again say. You should strike them. Amen? Amen. You should never again say these 12 things out of your mouth. Don't try to write. (laughs) Number one, never again should you confess, I can't. For the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. Number two, you should never again confess lack of anything. For my God shall supply all my needs. Philippians 4.19. Number three, you should never again confess your fear. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7 Number four, never again should you confess doubt or your lack of faith. For God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Romans 12.3 Number five, you should never again talk weakness. Amen. For God is the strength of my life. Psalm 27.1 I am strong and in the Lord and in the power of His might. Ephesians 6.10 Number six, never again should you confess Satan's supremacy over your life. Because the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. Number 7, never again confess your lack of intelligence. For Christ has made unto me wisdom. 1 Corinthians one thirty. Never again, number eight, should you confess sickness or disease. Never, ever, ever. For with His stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53.5. And Jesus Himself took our infirmity and bare our diseases. Matthew 8.17. Number nine, never again confess your worries or your anxieties. Never. Because God says, cast all your cares on me, for I care for you, First Peter 5, 7. And that He keeps me in perfect peace when my mind is fixed on Him, Isaiah 26, 3. Number 10, never again confess addiction or bondage. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, 2 Corinthians three seventeen. Number 11, never again confess guilt or condemnation. For there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1. And number 12, never, ever again, never again talk defeat. Never. For God always causes me to triumph in Christ. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Amen. Amen? I ought to add a third, never, ever again say I can't afford. Right, that, that's lack. Yeah. Don't ever say that. Yeah. Amen. You need to make that promise. I'm never. I am never going to say certain things again. I'm going to feel afraid at times, but I'm never going to say it. Yeah. I'm going to say what God says instead. Amen. I may be dealing with thoughts of worry, but I'm going. I'm never going to confess it again. You with me today? Did you get anything out of that? Praise yes, God. God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, to God. Glory to God. All right, staff, help me. Did I get everything that in that we needed to get in? Sometimes I even forget the special projects offering, but we did it first, right? <laughs> well, stand up today. Hallelujah.